coming to you from the Deep South. This is the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast. High impact leadership is not reserved for leaders, and it has nothing to do with your position, title, or rank. However, it does have everything to do with your character. It's time to climb to the next level and beyond, personally and professionally. Now, let's start making it happen with your host, Max Story. Hello, everyone. Thanks for stopping by the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast today. You're in for a special treat. This is a bonus series where I'm introducing my personal friend and mentor, Mr. Jimmy Collins. Jimmy was the former president and COO of Chick-fil-A, and he was Truett Cathy's third hire, third corporate hire in 1967, I believe was the year. And Jimmy basically worked side by side with Truett building the Chick-fil-A brand from startup to $1 billion, that's with a B, in sales by the year 2001. And that's when Jimmy retired with nearly 33 years of service on May 31st, 2001. So you're in for a treat. Jimmy has wisdom like you can't imagine. And he, he he's going to be talking about followership. And he's got two books. If you like these stories, you love the way he's telling them, a lot of these stories are in his books. Not all of them, but then also the books are full of many, many, many more stories, just like the ones Jimmy's going to be sharing, f- full of wisdom. So the two books are called Creative Followership in the Shadow of Greatness, and the other one is Jimmy's Stories. They're available on Amazon, and I highly encourage you uh, to follow Jimmy, and he's got articles and things like that uh, on Facebook and LinkedIn, and he'll actually interact with you there. That's actually how I met him. I met him through LinkedIn and then set up a, a, uh, a lunch with him. And he was gracious enough to give me about two hours of his time at Truett's original restaurant of uh, the Dwarf House Grill up in uh, Hapeville, which Truett opened in 1946, I believe. And so we, we it's still open as a Chick-fil-A there now, but back, back when it first opened, it was a hamburger joint, but it's, you'll hear about some of those stories, but, uh, I really, really hope you enjoy this and reach out to Jimmy and let him know. And uh, just so you know, this is a three-part special series, this interview series. First episode comes out May 15th. Second episode comes out May 22nd. Third episode is May 29th. All those dates are Wednesdays. And if you listen, if you're a regular listener to the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast, you know that I'm in the middle of my own blue collar leadership and supervision unleash your team's potential 30 part series on, on my book by that same title. And that's not going to be interrupted. Uh, those episodes release on Friday mornings. So these special series episodes, any interviews I do with people, they're releasing on Wednesday morning. So just kind of bon- like bonus sessions in between, but I really hope you enjoy it. You've heard me talk enough. Let's turn the, turn the mic over to Mr. Jimmy Collins and and let you absorb some wisdom. Have a great day. Hello everyone, Max Story back with you today on the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast. Uh, second part with my friend and I consider him a mentor too and he mentors me far more through his books than in person but I have the privilege of calling Jimmy Collins my friend and if you haven't listened to the, the first part, make sure you go back and grab that and uh, today I'm, we're going to just jump right into this one and i'm gonna ask jimmy i know his books they all they they both of them have uh proverbs 27 18 
in the front. Tell me what that is and what that's about, Jimmy. Mac, uh, when I decided that I was not a leader and that I was a follower, I was, I was very much aware about how, how did I come to this conclusion? And uh, one of the things that struck me was that I had been particularly impressed with a, a proverb. And uh, so I look, I look back at this and I, I realize now how all of this happened. You know, sometimes things develop in our life and we, we don't think much about them at the time, but we look back and realize that was a significant experience. Yes. And I think about this uh, proverb because when I read it, it said, he who tends the fig tree will eat its fruit and he who cares for his master will be honored. Mm. And I thought, I remember now how that, that came about to me. And I'll tell you how it happened. I was in, uh, I was in fourth grade, 10 years old, and at our elementary school, now I'm gonna back you up a little bit, this would've been 1946. Okay. Right after World War II, things are beginning to start back to normal. And uh, at our elementary school, every afternoon, this guy came to our school. He was the hunky man. The hunky man. Yeah, you don't even know what a hunky is, do you? No, sir, I don't. No, well, most people don't today. You don't tell us, though. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> okay. So the hunky man came, and he had this uh, cart, a three-wheel cart, bicycle style, and the back of it was a regular bicycle that he pedaled down the street. So two wheels the, in the front. Two wheels in the front, and they were on an insulated bin. And this insulated bin had dry ice in it. Oh, okay. And he carried in that hunkies and other kinds of ice cream. Oh, hunky is an ice cream. Hunky is a was or yeah. is. It's a vanilla ice cream bar. Okay. On a stick, dipped in chocolate. And it was popular, so people oh, called him the hunky man. It was very popular, and uh, that was a local uh, generic, I guess you could say. Okay. And the hunky, he sold hunkies. They sold for a nickel, five cents. And he, but he also sold oh, sold Eskimo pies, but they sold for a dime. And the only difference I could see was the foil wrapper on the okay. Eskimo pie. So I figured only rich kids buy the Eskimo pies. <laughs> double the price. Yeah, double you the price. You get two of the other ones too. <laughs> but the, he had hunkies and popsicles and little cups of ice cream, you know, that, that sort of thing. He came there every afternoon after school. So when the kids were getting out, they would go buy and get a hunky for a nickel. Yes. Well, I went out there and uh, I was out there one day and I'd just hang around that, the, where he was there and talk to people and that sort of thing. And he started fussing at us kids. He said, you kids, you gotta pick up this trash out here. He said, the principal said, if this trash keeps uh, being left out here every day, I can't come anymore. I got to thinking about that, Mac. I thought, hmm, Mr. Purcell said that. I believe it cause if he said it, I know it's gonna happen. So I thought, you know, I sure, I sure would miss the hunky man. I didn't always have a nickel. I, I came from a, a low-income family. Yeah, you shared that with us. On but that when last I episode. did have a nickel, I wanted to be able to buy a hunky. <laughs> you needed so, that ice cream, didn't you? Yeah. So it struck me at that time, Jimmy, you can do something about this. So Mac, I went out there and I began to pick up the wrappers and the sticks and all them, and I put them in the trash bin on the the hunky man's cart. 
when all the other kids are gone, just me and the hunky man. He looked at me and said, come here, kid. And I went over and he opened the lid to that uh, compartment there. And he said, have a hunky, free. Wow, I have discovered something here. <laughs> Think about this. Hey, what was that in that proverb? Let me look at that again. He who tends the honky man's cart will eat honkies, <laughs> right? That's where you learned that. Yeah. And but, then, then, that's not the end of the story. Well, you know, I'm a kind of a slow learner. I've learned that over the years. I, it takes me two or three times sometimes to get the message. <laughs> and I'm a slow learner, but there at Central Park Elementary School, we had some kids that were fast learners. They caught on quickly. And they saw what I was doing and how I was being results, rewarded. And they wanted to get in on the game. So they began to pick up uh, rappers and sticks. But the hunky man said, no, Jimmy's my man. Because you were the first to help. And it, another thing struck me about that proverb, Matt. He who takes care of the hunky man will get the exclusive deal, <laughs> get the franchise. And I realized, you know, that's how I'm gonna get ahead in life. I never worked for anybody who had fig trees, but I worked for people who had restaurants and I worked in grocery stores where they had groceries. Yes. And I figured that out. When I first got my real job, I was 12 years old. And I was delivering groceries at a neighborhood grocery store on a bicycle. It's one of those bicycles with a big basket in front and a little wheel and a great big wheel in the back. And we call them cycle trucks in those, those days. And this would have been about 1948. It had two that, wheels. It had two wheels, okay. yeah, it had two wheels. But uh, Mr. Brown, hired me to work in his grocery store. I was excited to get that job. I cut lawns and drake leaves and that kind of stuff to make a little money, but I never had a job with a regular hourly rate and regular times and hours, so I was excited. It's your first that. like regular, regular real job. job. It was a real job. Where you could depend on it yes. as long as you showed up. Uh -huh. Okay. And so, uh, you know, I ask kids this, and I ask adults this too, why'd your boss hire you? Do you know most people don't know why they were hired? They come up with some of the weirdest answers you can imagine. And I tell them this, I discovered why Mr. Brown hired me. He hired me to do the things he did not like to do. He didn't like to sweep the floors, carry out the trash or wash the windows. He especially did not like delivering groceries on that bicycle. And you say, ah, he had his car. He didn't have a car. It was 1948. He was a veteran. He'd taken all the money he could scrape together to buy that little grocery store. So if the, any, any groceries got delivered, and we had a lot of people that liked to have their groceries delivered, they had to be delivered on the bicycle. And I thought, if I keep doing these things Mr. Brown doesn't like to do, hmm, he's going to keep me. He's going to pay me. And you know, if I do a really good job, he might even increase my pay. Mac, 
I applied that to every job I had afterwards. When I went to work for Truett Cathy, you asked me earlier what my role, I just did what Truett didn't like to do. That made you popular in Truett's well, mind, I, right? I, I'm going to tell you how popular. It increased your influence tremendous. Yes. Any when people would come to visit Truett in the early days at Chick-fil-A, uh, he would introduce me there in the office and say, this is Jimmy Collins. They didn't know who I was. And they would say, Jimmy, what do you do here? And I would say, I just do whatever Truett doesn't like to do. And you were happy with that because yeah. you knew the power that had for you. But do you know what Truett would say when I said that? <laughs> he would say, and I don't like to do very much. <laughs> Now, so that meant you did a lot. You know, that was really a compliment. It was. We played that all, that out over the years. I can't tell you hundreds of times. All the way. And, all the way to you retired, yeah. probably. And uh, I introduced him several times when he would make a speech, and I always said that. I said, I just did. I said, people say, what do you do at Chick-fil-A? And I say, I just do whatever Truett doesn't like to do. He'd get up, and the first thing he'd say is, and I don't like to do very much. <laughs> and everybody loved it. But that's not the, the, but it was that, the truth. It is the truth, but that's not the secret. And here's what people miss. The way you make yourself more valuable is you've got to add value. And one of the easiest ways to add value is to give the boss more times to do the things he or she can only do or she can do better and take care of those things they don't do as well or that they don't like to do. Yeah, provide an opportunity for them to avoid the things they don't like to do. And I tell you, you do that and they won't ever let you go. And what happens to your influence? Your influence increases, your pay, your pay increases. Everything gets yeah. better, life gets better. But that, uh, it's, a, it's so simple. And it all started with me, with that little proverb. That's a powerful principle in that proverb. It, Absolutely. Two of them. It's actually the, that's why it's in the front of your books. It's, it's kind of the foundational it, it, principle for everything is. that's in your books. It is. Because it's the purpose. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's pretty powerful. Those are good stories too. So tell me about, you were talking about Truett again, and, and I don't know how to ask the question, but you probably understand the story I'm talking about. And I think it's when you decided to go to work for Truett. There's a little bit of story behind that, but the, when you went in, you had something, a drawing okay. in a rubber yep. band or something. I don't want to spoil it, but you know what okay. I'm talking about. Yes. That's an awesome story. Well, uh, I want to tell you, I had uh, I had been working for different bosses, and I just did, did not like my bosses. And uh, This was before you started working with Truett. Before I went to work for Truett. Yep. And I had worked for two different guys, and... It, it just didn't work out. I, I, hey, I've had some good bosses, and I've had some bad bosses. We all get good ones and bad ones as we advance through our careers. Uh, but I, I got to thinking about it one day. I thought, why can't I decide on a good boss? And I decided what I need to do is sit down and write me out a criteria because all the time I'm thinking about is finally I had a third boss, a third bad boss in a row. Now, three bad bosses in a row, that told me something, Mac. It, what did it say? Jimmy, you don't know how to pick a good boss. That's, that's absolutely true. I mean, that's true. really, that's what it came down to. And so I sat down and I wrote out the four most important things on selecting a boss. Number one, 
I will only work for someone that I can respect, someone I can look up to. Uh, I, I would, and I've said that to myself, I will not work for someone who is a lesser person than me. I want to work for someone who is a better person than me because I want to grow personally. And number two, I will only work for someone that I can learn from because I want to grow professionally. And number three, I will only work for someone who is building or growing something because that's where the best people are attracted. And the, if I'm going to advance my career, I need to be somewhere where things are happening and I can work with really good people. And number four, I will only work for someone who respects my point of view and will let me make decisions. That's an awesome list. If you listen, hit rewind a couple of times and go back, get that list down, get your notepad out. If you're driving, just remember what number, the, the, uh, how far into the episode you are. Those are four amazing things because you can lead yourself to a great boss if you actually look for that criteria. Right. Well, Mac, I could not find that boss. <laughs> <laughs> but you wanted him. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm not a lesser person myself. I'll just go to work for myself. And I went in business for myself. And you know the result? Well, I had four bad bosses in a row. <laughs> the other three and then yourself. And then myself. You didn't like working for you either. No. I didn't turn out to be a very good boss because number th I couldn't do number three. I couldn't make my business grow. I could not make my business grow. You're missing a component. Yeah. So uh, when, uh, when, it got, uh, when Truett told me that he was going to expand Chick-fil-A, and he asked me would I be interested in coming to work for him, I said, Truett, I, th I think I would. And um, I began to talk with him about it, and at the time, uh, I was working with him. I had helped him in the design of several restaurants, by the way. As a consultant? Yeah, as a consultant. Paid. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, I, was, I was helping him with one. This was going to be the second Chick-fil-A mall store, and it was going to be an Oglethorpe Mall in Savannah, Georgia. And you still were not a Chick-fil-A employee? No, I, I was uh, a consultant, yeah. But I was designing that restaurant for it. Now, most of my clients, when I would design a restaurant for them, they, they'd give me the menu, tell me the special things they wanted, introduce me to their architect and their interior designer, and we'd come up with the design. Well, not true it. When I did work for Truett, he'd come and stand up by my drafting table and stand there and he'd say, well, I, I, don't, I don't see that, let's do this. And he couldn't read plans very well, so I made him little pictorial sketches of the different workstations and we put them together and that, that was the restaurant. And we'd just gotten through with that uh, for the remodeling of the Dwarf House in, in Hapel at the time. And so we were working on this in, in, in Savannah. And I took him a preliminary plan to look at, I must have, 12 or 20, I don't know how, he didn't like any of them. Not, not one of them did he like. He turned them all down. Yeah, turned them all down. Customer can do that, can he? Yeah, they can. He's paying the bill. <laughs> so it came the day that I needed to tell him uh, whether, or not, whether I would come to work for him or not. He was gonna expand Chick-fil-A. And uh, my wife and I thought about it, we prayed about it and said, I'm not going to work for Truett Cathy because he'll never let me make any decisions. He wouldn't satisfy point number four. You were serving the customer, but you didn't like serving the customer who made you have to... Well, I wanted, to be, able, I wanted to be able to make decisions too. You wanted some flexibility. Yeah, and I didn't think he was going to let me make any. The other three, I liked it, you know. 
personal development, professional development, growing business, decision-making. Uh-oh, we got a barrier here. So my wife and I decided I will not go to work for, uh, for Truett Catholic. Because that's micromanaging, what a lot of people call Some micromanaging. Bit, yeah, yeah. And that's what was that, happening to you, and you didn't mm -hmm. like it. No, I didn't. I, I wasn't going to put up with it. And I didn't You think. didn't have to. No. You, we don't have to. We've got, you, you, we've got a choice when it comes to, to the jobs that we work. This Absolutely. is a free country. Anyway, so I showed up at his office, and uh, I had another design. I, I put a lot of work in this one, Mac. I'm telling you, lots of work. And I was supposed to tell him that day whether I was going to come to work for him or not. And so uh, he said, i got to know today if you're going to come to work for me or not. I said, well, let's look at the drawing first. He had, he had not seen that drawing. He had drawing. not seen this drawing. So he went in his office and we sat down. And I, I started run, roll, uh, unrolling the plan. I was going to push the rubber band off. You know, push a rubber band off a roll of paper. Yep. And he, he said, what do you think about what you've got there today? And I stopped rolling the rubber band. I said, Truett, this is it. If you do it like this, this is going to be a winner. And I started rolling the rubber band again. He said, okay, that's what we'll do. What? The rubber band's not off. And he says, that's what we're going to do? He hasn't even seen the plan. So yeah, he had a shift. You saw it, something different yeah, at that I, moment. I, and I thought, Mac, I'm convinced it was divine direction. Because if, if he had not, said that, I was not going to go to work. You had already kind of decided yeah. that, right? And he didn't know that. He did not know that. But I rolled the, finished rolling the rubber band. Oh, they stopped me at that point and said, well, I want to know, are you coming to work for me or not? And I said, yes, sir. Because of, he had said, okay, go with because that. Because he said, go with it. Mac, I unrolled the drawings. He did not make a single change. And we used that same basic design for years. That's awesome. That's an awesome story. So we had never talked about the, this question I'm about to ask you. I've read that story in the book, and I've heard you tell this story, and that's, that's an amazing story. But do, do you, <clears throat> when you look back on it, do you, do you think, because that was a big change from him being micromanaging to hands-off, like instantly, basically. You, you think he was kind of micromanaging before so he could clearly show you what he wanted, so when he turned you loose, You'd kind of have some idea, and then he just let you go, or what do you what do you think? What do you, you you said divine intervention. I, I think I think it's divine direction, but I don't. I don't you you touched on the same thing this morning, uh, in the, the post you put on uh, Facebook. Yes, I shared a post about uh, just so the people listening will know what you're talking about before you tell that whatever you want to add to it. I shared a a, a quote, something I say a lot of times that if if you if you're not intentionally gaining experience, you're going to be left behind by those who are. Well, you said another thing, too. Oh, the other part that I wrote yeah. up. Go ahead. But uh, I have this friend. She's, she's a, a woman. She's no longer spring chicken. She's an older woman. And she told me one day, she said, hey, I got a, I got a new job. I got a, a good job. And she was telling me about it. She was so excited about it. And then... Uh, it was maybe a month or two later, I saw her again. I said, how's your new job going? I'm gonna call her Mary. That's not, not her. Okay. Said, Mary, how's your new job going? She said, I quit that job. I said, you quit that job? Why? She said, 
they wanted me to do things that were not on my job description. And she said, I wasn't about to do something that wasn't on my job description. Talking they about weren't paying me for that. And I thought to myself, oh, goodness gracious, Mary, you needed that job. Matt, they may have been testing her to see if she was capable of handling more. Or they may want to see how well can she handle this additional responsibility before we promote her. Absolutely. But she blew it. And that's the very thing that you had in that, uh, uh, that blog post, I mean, Facebook post. Yeah, morning. I added some extra to the quote. I remember now what you're talking about. But, you know, I like the way you put it. You, you said sometimes you get paid. Sometimes you're paid with money, but sometimes you're paid with experience. That's very, very valuable. It's invaluable. Because you, you can sell you that. Put a, you can't put a monetary price you on You can't because you can sell that experience mm -hmm. over and over. And the thing about it is when you sell that experience. You still you, got it. You get to keep it. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool, isn't it? It is. And, and, and I live that principle too without ever reading any books. I just kind of got it right throughout mm -hmm. my career. And, and my, my little book for the frontline entry level people, Blue Collar Leadership, that leading from the front lines, I talk about in there how I was promoted uh, 14 times in 20 years and it was because I didn't know it and understand it but I would do whatever they asked me to do and I didn't worry about the pay because I knew if I get the experience one day I can get the pay maybe in this company maybe not yeah. but, but I'm going to have the experience and that's what I valued somehow I figured that out just going through life and so that's a very important piece and you got tons of that that's what creative followership is about is it is it's going for the experience and not the dollar right and um the 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 thing about this is i mean the, the thing that's so important about this is you can't lose you know if you take on more responsibility and you learn if you don't get paid you're not losing anything you you got the value yeah and as you said just a minute ago you can always take it somewhere else and use it Yes, sir. And I, and I can tell you from my experience, and I'm sure you can validate it. We've got a couple more minutes here. I just want to add into the, to our conversation. When I would do that throughout my career in manufacturing, I remember one time I got a, I was running a CNC computerized control lathe, mill, drill, that type of equipment. And all I had to do, all I was paid to do was put a part in there and push the button. But what I actually did was every, every day I would learn about the programming and I'd ask lots of questions of the programmers and I'd suggest improvements. And when, when they would come out and make an improvement, they had to do a printout and bring it out and, and mark it up with a pen. And when they were doing that, I'm over their shoulder and I'm asking questions. So I was learning to program when that wasn't my job. Mm -hmm. But then when a programmer's job came open and, and there wasn't, it didn't come open very much and people really, a lot of people wanted that job. And when it came open, I got the job. People had a lot more years of experience and that sort of stuff, but I actually already knew how to program because I was learning to program when that was not my job. Mm -hmm. But I got paid later. That's one of those examples. Yeah. And, and I didn't ask for a raise, but I got a raise. And I also got a lot of people mad at me <laughs> because I got the job and, and they didn't. So like you did yes, uh, in yesterday's episode, we got a, a basically a minute here. Any, anything you want to wrap this little episode? up in a final thought? Well, we have lots of choices. And the way we exercise our choices determines who we're going to be. And it determines what we're going to do. And it, it determines the result that we're going to get. So we've got to be thinking about what, 
where do I want to go when we're making those choices? Because you can't make the choice based on what's good for the next five minutes. You've got to look ahead and see how far out you want that choice to apply. The big, big picture. Right. And it really, it really troubles me to see people make an instantaneous decision that can be disastrous in their life. Yes, sir. It's, it's bad. Well, and, good. It, and the possibility is to make it good. You know, that, you know, that's what we want to focus on. Focus on the good stuff. We just want to make life better. Yeah, not the marginal stuff. Focus on the good stuff. That is good stuff, Jimmy. So we're going to wrap up today's episode with that. And, and thank you again for sharing these stories. I, I can't wait for, for, for the people who follow Blue Collar Leadership to, to hear these stories. I hope they get excited as I do and they go <laughs> buy a bunch of these books. And, and especially... Right now, when they're when this is first coming out, this episode is releasing. I mean, people are graduating high school, college. This is a perfect gift. It's a gift that'll give their entire life if they go do this. So, thank you very much again for participating, and for my blue collar leadership audience. Talk to you next time. Make it happen, or someone else will. It might as well be you. Are you serious about taking your career and your life to the next level and beyond? Check out Max Story's Blue Collar Leadership Series books and others, now available on audio, along with paperback and ebooks at Amazon, iTunes, and Audible. Please visit bluecollarleadership.com to learn about Max books, programs, special offers, certifications, and more. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast.